what is going on today? Ball Boy Blog Podcast here with you. This is your host, Jewel, the creator of the blog, the website, the podcast, all of the above. Call me a little joke if you want to. No, I did not just call myself a joke. I call myself a joke, jack of all trades, but not not really. Um, I, I'm using a lot of different platforms and whatnot to help me out to get me to this point, so... Appreciate the support. Appreciate you guys listening today. Today I want to review game one of the ALCS. I want to uh, talk about the forms a little bit. Go into those in detail. And of course, jump into the yearly reviews. Uh, So far we have gotten to post about the Padres and the Athletics. And I want to go into those a little bit. Um, on the podcast with you guys today. So, let's jump in. So, first, we're going to talk about Game 1 in the ALCS. Man, did we see some great starting pitching between those two teams. Blake Snell was strong, ended up going, what was that, five innings pitched to one earned run. And we saw Fram- Framber Reyes of the Astros go on the other side opposed to him also pitch a very strong ball game going going six strong giving up two earned runs striking out eight but allowing four walks both bullpens were good enough for both teams to be able to finish off the game without giving up any runs but the Rays offense did come through for them Randy Arozarena Ended up coming through with a 413-foot bomb to get them tied back up after Jose Altuve got to Blake Snell in the first inning with a home run. And then we saw one of my all-time just favorite players for no good reason whatsoever, Mike Zanino. Mike Z, former Mariner, come up with a clutch hit to give them the lead that they never gave up. Fun fact, I actually saw Mike Zanino play in his first MLB game and hit his first MLB home run. It was in Oakland against the Athletics. I was there for that game. It was a cool moment. I I don't think I'd ever been there for anyone's first home run in the majors at a baseball game, especially not a Mariner in Oakland. So that was a cool experience for me. So shout out to Mike Zanino. You are Still one of my favorites. Still one of the best pitch framers in baseball by far. Has a great bat. He just hasn't been able to consistently put it together at the plate. But enough about him. Um, so what what did we learn from this game? We learned that the, the Rays can work out of danger. Um, their bullpen. This offense is really good, but they cannot get it going. They left 10 runners on base. Eight of those were in scoring position, yet they only scored one run on the game. Man, that is just something else. Great job to the Tampa bullpen. And for the Astros, we saw that when they're up against really top-notch pitching like the Rays, they're going to struggle. Struggle. That pen is going to struggle finishing out games. Luckily, they only had to go eight innings today. They didn't have to go the full nine. But this is going to be, like I said, it's going to be one of the 
biggest difference makers for the Rays if they hope to make it to the World Series is getting out to these early leads and then trusting the pitching to keep it for them and not having to fight back. So get to them early, Rays. What we learned on the Astro side is, you know, like I just said, their their pitching isn't isn't going to be enough to win them this. They're going to have to do it with their offense. And again, the offense for the Rays and pitching for the Rays is much better overall. So with that in mind, let's jump over to the Padres. Let's talk about the Padres and kind of what we saw from their year. So before we get into that, I do want to talk about uh, the forums. I want to talk about the forums over on the, the website, theballboyblog.com. The forums are super cool. This is a place where I get to interact with you guys, you guys who are listening. I know there's only a few of you right now, but the forums are a great place where we can chat about what we liked in 2020, what we didn't like. Obviously, none of us like COVID. Um, kind of the different things we saw, like the universal DH. I personally love the universal universal DH. You can come over to the forum. We can talk about that. We can talk about the expanded playoffs and how that worked out. We'll see. Um, I'm sure we all have some different opinions about that. We can talk literally about anything you want. You can ask me questions about anything. And there's so much more we can do with the forums. There's so much more we can do with the website. It's so simple right now because that's all I, all I wanted was just this site right here, something simple, easy. Uh, but I want to give you guys more. I want to give all my listeners more and my following more because you guys have supported me since the offseason of last year coming to this point. So and I deeply appreciate that. So going over it, let's get into the Padres and talk about what what we loved, what we didn't love, and kind of where we where we're gonna go from here. Uh, so in each of these yearly reviews, we're going to talk about any transactions they made, the impact of those, what we learned, as in kind of what we loved, what we didn't love. And the most significant needs going into 21. And lastly, the biggest takeaway. And we're going to be starting with the playoff teams and working our way down kind of just through the rankings of the MLB. Uh, so stay tuned for your team. Uh, we're going to try to go to two teams an episode and probably put these out on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays and be putting out blog posts on Monday, Wednesdays, and Friday. We're going to have a lot of overlapping content, but that's something I feel okay with because not everyone's going to read, not everyone's going to listen. It's really going to be each person's going to do their own thing. So I want to make sure the content gets to you in the preferred way. So without further ado, let's go over to the Padres dugout into their clubhouse and kind of see the changes that they made throughout the year. Uh, one of the most notable trades, so they made quite a few moves at the trade deadline, actually, that brought them in some great pieces uh, one of the first trades they made was with my Mariners, of course. Um, they got Austin Adams, a reliever, Austin Nola, a catcher, first base, second base, outfielder, kind of super utility kind of player, and Daniel Tavilla. From the Seattle, from the Mariners, the Padres sent them back. Right-handed pitcher Andres Munoz, catcher Luis Torres, Taylor Trammell, and third baseman Ty France. 
Ty France for me was the most notable name coming to Seattle as he kind of made his impact right away. And on this side, for the Padres, Nola, very solid piece, uh, plus defender, can play a bunch of different positions as we saw for him, and made a difference. He's a very consistent contributor. Just wherever you have him, he helps you win games. He doesn't lose you a lot of games. He helps you win more than he loses for you. Just a very good all-around player. I wish his career would have came together sooner as he's already 30 years old. If he would have came together sooner, man, he would have been awesome. And yes, Austin Nola is the brother of Phillies pitcher Aaron Nola. So if you put that together, then you were correct there. And we saw Adams and Altavilla just make really good, solid depth and bullpen contributions. Both those guys are, have more team control under them before they're arbitration eligible. So that will be great for the Padres as good bullpen depth is hard to find in the MLB. And they got two pretty solid pieces that can be used in high leverage situations. And it also helped them kind of get over the Kirby Yates injury a little bit. Uh, no one can replace Kirby Yates. He's really good. And one of my, one of the guys I wish we would have seen in 2020 um, hurt my fantasy team a little bit there, but next year, another cheap keeper for me, the Cleveland Indians traded Mike Clevenger Greg Allen, a left fielder and a player to be named later to the Padres for catcher Austin Hedges, pitcher Cal Quantrill, and outfielder Josh Naylor, Gable Arias, Joey Castillo, and Owen Miller. So a lot of pieces sounding like they went over to the Indians, which they did. They did acquire a lot of minor league talent. But the Padres definitely got the better end of the deal up until the playoffs. Mike Clevenger came in and pitched really well for the remainder of the in-season outfield. And slight, small area of need for the Padres. Uh, so like Greg Allen, we should see him into the mix next year for some regular role. Um, overall, great, great trade for the Padres. The ending was rough for Clevenger. Working back from his injury to pitch in that that game, their deciding game, ended up going out, hurting them. That series hurting the bullpen, stretching them really thin. That one, that one was rough. Um, but hey, now the Padres have their ace at top of that rotation for next year, and hopefully longer. So overall, really good trade for the Padres. The Boston Red Sox traded Mitch Moreland to the San Diego Padres for third baseman Hudson Potts and center fielder uh, Jason Rosario. Just another good trade as first an extra boost at first base in DH is always needed, especially with the universal DH rule. Mitch Moreland was putting together a really good season in Boston up until the trade, and then after the trade, still put together solid numbers at the plate, which is what they, they wanted for. And then they also... Uh, made a trade with the Kansas City Royals to get Trevor Rosenthal, uh, first center fielder Edward Olivares, and a player to be named later. Just another really good depth move uh, for that bullpen, because again, good bullpen wins you can win you a lot of games. Uh, what did we learn from sixty games with the Padres this year? We learned what El Nino is all about. Fernando Tatis Jr. 
man, if he isn't one of the faces of the MLB, I don't know what is, who is, because this dude is exciting, talented, just a just a walking highlight reel, athletic freak, talented, those bad flips, the hair, the swag, everything. Fernando Tatis is just incredible. We also saw why and learned why Machado got paid as much as he did. We didn't see elite production from him throughout the year, but when we saw the games matter and some clutch situations, we saw Manny Machado come through for this Padres team and help create what we saw of Slam Diego. Um, They were hitting grand slams for what seemed half the season there just all the time and Man, this we learned that this team is built with contributor, contributors up and down the lineup, one through nine. This, all of them, just really good, solid contributors. This great. Um, what did we love about this season? I love Slam Diego. I love the energy of the Padres. I love how they just felt like a different ball club watching them on the field. I watch a lot of their games. I watch a lot of games out west, mostly because that's where I am. But whenever the Padres are on, I was I just wanted to watch them because I just knew there was going to be some excitement happens throughout the throughout the game. Um, San Diego fans, I hope you guys attend your games in 2021. The energy at the Padres games is going to be unreal, especially when they're in those clutch moments, especially when they're playing the Dodgers playing other teams in the West. This team is going to be a lot of fun to watch for a lot of years to come. Uh, What didn't we love about the 2021 Padres? Well, we didn't love that Clevenger got hurt in the playoffs. For me, that was what kind of led them to that sweep there. Bullpen got stretched thin early, way too early, especially with the back-to-back-to-back games. Uh, Injuries to Yates and Tommy Pham hurt them early in the season as they didn't have them to contribute at all. Other than that, the Padres showed just a lot of good things. Uh, Before I keep going, I want to let you guys know something that I love. I love Manscaped products. They're not a sponsor. Hopefully someday they will be. But ladies, gents, go check out their fantastic line of body trimmers, deodorant, uh, dude wipes, and foot spray, which is my absolute favorite thing. Other than the deodorant, absolutely love Manscaped products. Please sponsor me. I will. I already own all your stuff. You don't have to send me anything. Just Manscaped. If you guys listen to this, anyone you guys know, anyone at Manscaped, send this to them. Make a plug for me. And please get me get me some free product because I don't want to keep spending all the money for them. I will. Even if they were to sponsor me, I probably would still buy from them. Let's just say that much. Um, so what do the Padres need going forward to take the next step into the NLCS to beat the Dodgers and to move forward? Um, offense? No. Defense? No. Bullpen depth, yes and no. The staff that they have right now is good. Could it be better? Of course. You always want your bullpen to be really good. In the National League wild card, we saw them only give up nine runs 
and then outscores the Cardinals 15 to 9. So a very small margin, but all but still they were able to win with only giving up those nine across those couple games that they played. However, the reason I say yes is because how bad they lost to the Dodgers. They got outplayed 23 runs to nine. The pitching staff, no matter the series, can't give up 29, 23 runs over three games. That gives your offense no chance. Your offense is constantly swinging. They can't get ahead of the count. They're getting behind of the count. They're not able to to play the game. They're, you're having to play the game completely different and hope that you can get some of those run backs, runs back at once. And you can't. Uh, so giving up 23 runs definitely throws up a red flag. So the Padres need to go and get some more kind of top-of-the-line um arms to help them we'll see Marcus Stroman Trevor Bauer among others out there in the free agent market I would love for them to land someone to go with Clevenger and the rest of this Padres pitching staff it it would add just another element I think Bauer is a great fit here just because of the energy he has on and off the field mix that into Machado and Tatis and everyone else on this team and Ooh, I, I don't even want to think about how good this team would be. You have Bauer going out there for 30 games in 2021. Bauer, to me, is a great fit for San Diego, but he's a great fit for a lot of teams. You'll hear his name come up a lot, especially going into the winter. Uh, we'll see kind of where, where he ends up landing. Uh, the biggest takeaway from 2020 for me for the Padres is they show that they're a contender. They need to be taken seriously. El Nino showed he's the next big thing for the MLB and that this team is ready for 2021, ready for a full 162-game season. And honestly, I'm ready for more Fernando Tatis Jr. bat flips. So switching over to the American League, let's talk about the A's a little bit. Really same things we're going to talk about. What we love, what we learned, what we didn't love kind of where we go from here, what moves they they made, uh, kind of what's next. Uh, this is, of course, a lot of this is just my opinion, but uh, this blog came out yesterday on the website. Uh, this, this podcast is coming out Tuesday, and so we'll see, we'll kind of see what, what's next for them. Um, let's get into it. So the, the moves that the A's made, I really, really liked and didn't like at the same time. So the, the Angels traded second baseman, utility man, Tommy Listella to Oakland for Franklin Barreto. This move I didn't love because I saw Barreto for the A's as kind of the long-term, the long-term fit. And Listella did pay off. Listella was one of the most consistent hitters in baseball this season got on base a ton, hit the ball a ton, hit for a high average, was able to fill in around the diamond for Simeon days off at second base when Chapman went down. Um, but I didn't, I didn't love that Barreto was traded at all. To me, he was a long-term plan after Tony Kemp. But hey, the A's, the A's know what they're doing. 
but I I love Listella. I think if I'm not sure, I'm gonna have to double check to see if he's under contract. Still, I believe he is still under contract or team control, which is you know something that A's consistently go for. They don't go for a lot of rentals in their system, um, so he he should be an option to play shortstop when Semyon moves on after the season. I guess I should say if and when. For me, it's when. We're just waiting for the headline to pop up. Uh, the Texas Ranger traded left-handed pitcher Mike Miner and cash considerations to the A's for a player to be named later and future cash considerations. Injured acquire, Rangers acquire Dustin Harris and Marcus Smith to complete the deal. I was surprised to go to see the A's get a rental on the cheap. Mike Miner wasn't pitching to expectation after a great 2019 season that he put together for the Rangers. He just wasn't playing at the same piece, and that's a lot of the times what the A's go after. They go after those low-risk, high-reward kind of players who are underperforming that they can get on the cheap. Will either of those two players be of an impact for Texas down the road or another team? Possibly. It would be awesome if they were. We always want to see players succeed here at Ball Boy Blog Podcast. Um, but hey, minor good good piece for them to pick up. Help them win a few extra ball games and give that rotation a little bit more after Lazardo and Fires and Manaya. Uh, the Oakland Athletics ended up signing third baseman Jake Lamb after he was released by the Arizona Diamondbacks. Who, if you listen to the last blog, where the other team in the NL West that I just could not think of. I went and checked it after I recorded, and I could not think of who the heck I was thinking about. And I felt dumb because I, I lived in Arizona and went to a couple D-backs games. I can't believe I just totally forgot them in the NL West. But anyways, I was really happy with what we saw from Lamb instead, instead of Matt Chapman. Offensively and defensively, there's no replacing Matt Chapman. But Lamb did what he could to help the A's win, and that's all that matters. Hopefully they're able to retain him on on the cheap. I don't see why they wouldn't be able to. Next, what did we learn? We learned the same thing that we learned year in and year out with the A's, that no matter what, you know this team is going to be in it at every given point. Even if they're down 10 games below 500, you know they're somehow going to call their way back and be in the playoffs. We've seen it every year since, what, 2013, it's just a year in, year out kind of thing. And personally, I don't know when I'm going to stop doubting. I, I think next year is the year I, I really stopped doubting the A's. On paper, they look good, but they don't look great. It's just because they don't just they don't have a lot of those sexy names, um, like the Dodgers or the Yankees. But they have these players that are just so good and consistent and can help win ball games. And that's what you what you need. It doesn't matter who it is as long as they help you win, right? Um, we learned that Chris Davis maybe isn't Crush Davis anymore after this season and last year's down season. I think he's just Chris Davis. And I think he may need to find a new home or the A's might need to find a new DH option. Uh, we learned that Matt Chapman is human. And can make errors. We saw Matt Chapman make some errors throughout the year. None of them too costly, but we did see that even one of the best gold glove third basemen can make errors. Um, we learned that Semyon is a pretty dang good shortstop. 
with hopefully a future at second base long-term for his next team. I don't love him at shortstop defensively. I definitely see him more as a second baseman in the future. But, hey, I, I could be wrong. Um, but I hope wherever he lands, whether he stays in Oakland or whether he moves on, this guy is is one of the is along the top tier, top five, six, seven shortstops in the MLB. And that's some pretty elite company that that he's in. We saw more great performances from the bullpen, who who was doubted to begin the year, but they're tough as nails. They don't give up a lot of runs. They're great when their backs are against the wall. And man, we learned just how great this this. This coaching staff and this this GM and this system is that the A's have year in and year out. I just love it. I love every bit of it. Um, what do we love about what did we love about the 2020 A's? I just loved how great this bullpen was. I loved how they gave a chance to Fires Lazardo to take over the top of the rotation over Sean Manaya as they learned that that wasn't really working out for them. And neither of those guys disappointed, especially Lizardo after coming back from COVID. And, of course, we all enjoyed the great defense from around the field. Those great plays from center field from Loreano and Loreno. And just overall, just great plays defensively from the A's, one of their biggest strengths. Great, great defense, not a lot of errors. And, of course, we love the home runs they hit. They slug so many home runs. They hit the cover off the baseball throughout the year. And that's what helped them win the division over the Astros and win and get them to the American League Divisional Series. Fortunately, that wasn't quite enough to get them over the hump. Um, what did we not love? I would say the only thing that I didn't love from this season for the A's is that Chapman getting hurt. That That is what I felt really hurt them the most going into the playoffs and down the stretch is when you don't have that guy to help you win these games in those clutch moments defensively, offensively, as a leader in the clubhouse. He's not around the team whatsoever because of COVID. He couldn't be with the team because uh, he wasn't on the roster. That's going to hurt you when you're playing a tough Astros team. And when you get, when you get outscored 33-20 in that series – your offense is giving your bullpen a chance to hold in and win it. And they just weren't, they weren't able to do that consistently or enough. And the offense wasn't able to slug their way to a victory. But hey, at least they went down 3-1. And before we go any further, I want to let you guys know something that I don't love personally. Uh, I don't love my skin feeling weird after I take a shower. I don't like it feeling dry. I don't like it feeling just and looking scaly and cracky and just, I, I don't like that feeling. You know what I mean? After you get out of the shower, your skin kind of feels like that. Men and women talking both of you, I don't love that feeling. I I haven't had that feeling since I switched over to Dr. Squatch Thick Bricks. Dr. Squatch isn't a sponsor. Again, if you know someone that over at Dr. Squatch that works with them or you have an in, in with them, tell them to come listen to my podcast and tell them that I love their products or go tag them on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. Um, let them know that the Ball Boy blog podcast loves their thick bricks and is plugging for them. They have great seasonal scents. They just came out with a chalky milk and a drunken pumpkin scent. 
4th of July, they came out with a Freedom scent. I didn't know what Freedom smelled like until I got their soap. It's delicious. I love Freedom. Their chalky milk is made with cocoa butter, cocoa powder, chocolate. It's it, You want to eat it. Don't eat it, but you want to eat it. And if you want a better shower, you want to get these thick bricks to you. Go to drsquatch.com. Occasionally, I will possibly have a promo code for them. Or a way that you can get yourself some soap for cheaper. Um, but for now, just go over to Dr. Squatch. And I think there's a comment section. And review it. Just let them know that the Ballway Block sent you. For whatever reason. I'm not going to be able to save you any money. But hey, just, just do it. Give me the support. Help me get some free soap maybe? I don't know. I love Dr. Squatch. They're amazing. Um, so, back over to the A's, A's Clubhouse. Kind of looking at what the A's need for 2021. Um, for need, they need to move on from Chris Davis. And, you know, kind of rethink their financial decision there. Unfortunately, kind of cut their losses at this point. Um, the A's, they don't spend a lot of money. Would we love for them to re-sign Semyon to a long-term deal that won't break the bank? Yes. But we already know other teams are going to pay more than the A's. Semyon's in his prime, and he's a top three shortstop in the MLB. A's fans, I know a lot of you because I lived in Oakland. I myself am an, am an A's fan by conversion. We're not going to see Semyon around in A's uniform forever. I think we should just kind of let it happen, let it be what it's going to be at this point. And, you know, after the winter meetings and spring training, we're probably they, – they need us to stop doubting them is what I'm getting at. Once we get around to the next season – we're going to be saying, oh, man, this team, mm, they have these good pieces, but I don't think they have enough at these couple positions, so that's what's going to hold them back. They're pitching all these question marks. We're going to have questions. We're going to make up. So let's stop doing that in 2021. Okay. Can we all agree on that? I think we can. I think we can all agree on that. Also, we would love to see in 21, 2021, uh, some combination of that great bullpen that's been so rock solid for the last couple of years of Bassett, Deakman, Hendricks, Petit, Sawyer, Trevino, all come back and be retained and just help keep this team pushing to 2021 and to getting them further in the playoffs because the Astros are looking to weekend in 2021 they're not going to be able to retain all those pieces they have an aging starting pitching pitching pitchers and justin berlander and zach Greinke. a lot of opportunity coming for the for the al west to kind of be reshifted around and then lastly the biggest takeaway of 2020 for the a's is just to keep the process going keep hitting home runs keep turning nobodies into somebody's have an above-average team at every position. Have guys who buy into the system, who want to win games. And, you know, that's that's a recipe. That's the recipe for the A's. We, seen, we saw it in Moneyball. We literally saw them give away their system to everyone, and yet they still beat the, everyone with it year after year. They are a fantastic team. They have a proven system that works. They have players. They have a front office that can find players who are going to buy in from the system from the beginning and be a part of it, and they go after just the right players at the right time to help win them games. So, as always, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for supporting the podcast, the blog. And again, if you guys know of anyone over at Manscaped, Dr. Squatch, 
tell them to listen to the blog, tag them in this on Instagram, Twitter, and tell them to support me. Um, or when you purchase your product, say that the Ball Boy blog sent you. You're going to want to try these products. They have really helped improve my life, quality of my personal hygiene, just everything. They're, they're great products. I, I can't say enough good things about any of them. But again, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for your support. I could not do this without you guys. And of course, until next time.